Welcome to Pancakes on Sunday. Like pancakes, we have many different flavors. We bring them to the table each week. Talk about sports, mental health, women's awareness, interviews, games, entertainment, and much, much more. This week, I'm joined by Ryan. Hey. And we have a guest, recurring guest, Kyle. Hello. And this week, we're starting a, oh, I am, doing something that I like to call city history. Whoa. I've been interested in history. That's probably my strongest suit in, on any school academic subject. I and, could agree to that. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna first city we're gonna go is Cleveland, obviously. Sealand? Yeah, Sealand. You ever heard of it? You ever heard of Cleveland? No, where's right. it at? Wow. Everyone would have thought I would done Buffalo first, but no, I took Cleveland. All right, guys. Well, you are. We have here. a richer history. I'd say with so. Prettier women and. Just what he just said. Yeah, all the fixings, man. <laughs> Anything else? We have a I mean, a richer history and prettier women is pretty good. And we have a championship basketball team. We have a championship basketball team. Okay, well, Buffalo doesn't even have a basketball team, so yep. that doesn't really... Point proven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mean, so we're extra better. <laughs> Why did you have a basketball team? A professional basketball team. We have a better football team. By a game or two. As of when? I mean... No. Just I saying. mean, you did lose four straight Super Bowls. I mean, how many games? How many games did you guys play last year? Six. Oh, okay, so we won't play one last game. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I judge mine. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. So, sorry. Okay. Okay. But Cleveland, as we know it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cleveland was founded at the intersection of the Cuyahoga River and Lake Erie. The land. Owned by the Western Reserve. Harley-Davidson? <laughs> <laughs> the land owned by the Western Reserve and sold to the Connecticut Land Company by the state of Connecticut. The land company and a man named Moses Cleveland, hmm. although he spelled it with an A in his name, it was C-L-E-A-V. E-A-V, yeah, Cleave. Like yeah, Cleave. Cleave. Yeah. Cleave. He made the yes, Moses Cleveland made an assessment of the land and failed to realize that commercial development of the area was very far off. Ooh. From 1796 to 1824, the area as we know, the city of Cleveland was just farmlands. Interesting. The land was very swampy. It was very difficult for early settlers to survive during the days. I mean, you have a big old river coming up to a lake. I mean, it's going to be swamp. I mean, you've seen around rivers and stuff. It's swampy, right. marshland. I mean, I mean, seeing what the city has built up to now. Right. I mean, compared to what it would have been when you you come across it. I mean, what date did they settle? I'm curious. Um. Public Square was built in 1797. What? What? Like month? Do they have a month? I don't have a month. If they show up in the middle of fucking winter, they're fucking dumb. That's all I'm saying. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, winter now and winter then is is very it's very different. I would have to say. I mean, even just back in our childhood and like the blizzard of seventy seven, for example. I mean, that was supposed to be one of the most worst bl- snowstorm blizzards in the city, or was mm-hmm. it seventy six in here? Somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. We don't see that today. Do you, when was Buffalo. the last? Buffalo does, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, Cleveland doesn't. Yeah. Our no, winters are completely different blizzard. from what, even growing up, it's yeah. completely different. 
So mainly it's just cr- cold and gross and stupid. And if they found it in the middle of winter, they're just dumb. A little weird fact about the river coming in just through Cleveland like that. What do you got? When I was doing, I metal detect. So when I was doing a little bit of research for Montville, and like who owned Montville, it was a guy that lived in Cleveland and came out to Montville. But in his readings of who he was and what he wrote about his feeling of what Cleveland was, which was right around the beginning of Cleveland mm. in the late 1700s, early 1800s, the that river was so shallow coming in there that the ice would build up and the fish would pile in and die. And so this, in the spring, all the way till like almost the end of summer, Cleveland smelled like awful, awful dead fish. It's still just saying. Change. <laughs> it's still change. Sometimes you I mean, oh, it still smells blood. down there. Oh, but yeah. I guess well now you can see the big boats come through. Oh yeah, it yeah. wasn't drudged out, but it was, but that would used to be a spot, and people would literally like dip off for the summer because the Cleveland smelled so bad. And that's how like t- little towns like Newberry and Burton mm-hmm. and like Jotter County. I mean, those those were summer homes. They were all summer spots. Those yeah. communities in in Newberry and Chardon and all. I mean, they're all summer homes. Yep. Mm-hmm. For the, the fancies from Cause, Cleveland. Cause, the elites. Because of fish smell. They were like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the hell out of here. He's like, Nancy, get your bags, pack up the kids, we're getting the carriage, we're out of here. <laughs> so Public Square was built in 1797, and lots were made and up for sale. Today, Ontario Street goes through Public Square, the same road built back in the 1700s. Like, it's the same route. Yeah. In 1807, state legislator created Cuyahoga County, and Cleveland was named the county seat in 1809. By 1824, Cleveland was a thriving town with nine stores and three taverns. They also had six vessels that was owned by Cleveland that sailed the Great Lakes, bringing all kinds of merchandise to the city, and by 1920 had a population of around 600 residents. Yeah, 600. Yep. Because that was back when they were... It was booming then. The 20s. 1820s? Oh, okay, okay. 1820s. 1820s. I was thinking 1920s. Okay. No, no. I'm 100 years old. (laughs) There's still less people in Cleveland than you think. Right. Which I'm sure we'll get to. At some point then. What do you mean? I'm just saying, like, when we were golfing, we were were guessing how many people lived in Cleveland. It was like, we were mostly... Maybe you were close. Yeah, but, it's um, like three million, isn't it, or something like that? No, it's like three hundred twenty thousand. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mean, yeah, that makes sense. But in this world, you think big cities. You think like, okay, there's at least a million people, right? right? If there's ten million people in Ohio, I mean, at least a million are in one of the bigger cities, you know. You and you're like, yeah, no, there's three hundred twenty thousand. Yeah, or something like that, somewhere near that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that number. <clears throat> By eighteen twenty four, the port of Cleveland was thriving and importing and exporting goods across the Great Lakes. Still at this time, Cleveland was only considered a village. Between 1833 and 1835, immigration flooded the area and neighboring Ohio village, and the population increased over 50%. With the jump in population, Cleveland and Ohio village were named cities. So in 1836. So 1836 is when Cleveland became a quote-unquote city. Okay. And at the time, what we know as Ohio City, but we think of just part of Cleveland. Yeah, Ohio City was its own city. Oh but no, it was like they, village. But it was, well, it was at the time it was Cleveland Village and Ohio Village. Yeah, and they both increased in population enough at that period of time where they both became city municipalities. That's kind of cool. I like so the way they, they fought each other. 
Right. Like street they gangs. were, yeah. yeah but yeah. where they were situated and positioned were like the heart of Cleveland at the time yeah. was, and where Ohio City up was at the, the time. Up on the hill, but on the other side of the river. Yeah, yeah. So it took a while to. They definitely it was... fought. <laughs> totally. totally. To- like greasers. Greasers and the. Yeah. Yeah. And the pink ladies. <laughs> <laughs> pink ladies were Ohio Village. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around with people snapping their fingers behind you, like, what's up? 1824. 36. Yeah. <clears throat> but between 1845 and 1860 is when Cleveland really became a city in terms of growth and industry. At the time, the city was only an eight month town because winter. Yeah. And in 1950s, the railroads were built. And the area was opening up to Cleveland for a year-round trade. 1850s. 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 Yeah. 1850s. In 1851, in 1851, railroads were connected to Painesville and Pittsburgh. Oh. And by 1853, railroad connected Cleveland to Chicago, New York City, and the Gateway to the West. I thought the Gateway to the West was somewhere else. St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Gateway to the West. They were... Uh, oh, they had to move it. Yeah, I was I was waiting for someone to say Gateway to the West. Like, did anyone know what I meant by Gateway to the West? Like, so to say someone was going to yeah. say St. Louis? Okay, yes. The, yeah, gate, the arch? You know the arch? Move yeah, the middle okay. arch. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Move it. Yeah. It should move it again, technically, right? I mean... You put Maybe. tough shit, put St. Put it on Hawaii or something like that? Kansas or something like that. Gateway to the West? We're... I'm just saying the reason why I was Gateway West in Cleveland. No, no, no I'm saying St. Louis. <clears throat> oh, I may have missed something there. <laughs> I should be paying attention, right? Yes. yes. By 1853, the railroad connected <coughs> Cleveland, Chicago, to New York. <gasps> to the Gateway. To, and then I said the Gateway to the West, mm-hmm. and then I paused because I thought someone was going to say it. And great mm-hmm. conversation. And you guys, well, I mean, that's, that's why not I said. even that. I mean, yeah. it's. No. Yeah, yeah. How many trivia yeah. nights have we done? And we, God damn it, guys! We haven't done we haven't done one in a while. We're slapping. Well, I mean, I knew it. I just didn't say St. Louis. Oh, well, hey guys, I for some reason thought you were saying <coughs> like Ohio, we got Cleveland at one point. No, no, no. the gateway to the west. No, because we were already but, in St. Louis at the time with the the railroads. I mean, the railroads were moving out at that point because that's when the movement started moving out in the later eighteen hundreds to like California and the yeah, gold yeah. rush and everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp was like eighteen nineties. Yep. Tombstone. Tombstone. I'm your huckleberry. I'll be your huckleberry. From this point, <laughs> I will break off on certain areas about Cleveland. We'll start in an industry. And in episode two, we will cover sports and entertainment and significant events that have occurred in Cleveland throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially this, we, we Cleveland as a municipality. Okay. Cleveland's growth is primarily due to the growing industries in the area. Once the railroads opened with the first farming town and everything else when Cleveland started... In the first few decades, items manufactured, including farming tools, barrels, and household furnishings. These items were mostly produced by craftsmen in small shops rather than big factories. By 1837, Cleveland was home to four iron foundries making steam engines and other products. Mm. There were three soap and candle factories, two breweries, and many factories making products from pottery to carriages. A lot of these factories were built around the Ohio Canal, which helped transport goods Mm. in and around Great Lakes. Up to Buffalo, Detroit, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. In 1859, a man known as John D. Rockefeller, oh, big name, brought oil to Cleveland at a low price by using the railroads. And by 1870, Rockefeller 
built or purchased almost all of Cleveland's refining capacity and made the city the center of the American refining industry. Wow. So, I mean, we learned so, about John D. Rockefeller in school and stuff. So Rockefeller and, showed up and he's like, what's up? I got some money. We're about to make some money more, baby. I mean, he, he well, saw the, <clears throat> yeah he saw the transportation. I mean, you can go down the Ohio Canal. You can follow the Cuyahoga River down, yeah, pick up the Ohio right. River. Oh, yeah. You can get oh, to yeah. the Mississippi. You can get. I mean, it's it's you get transport. Not to mention you're halfway between New York and Chicago. Yeah, it's a good. You got the Great Lakes. Go to, to Detroit. Everybody yeah. has to stop here before they go to Chicago. Yep. You wouldn't go around in any way. You go right through. Correct. All right. Also, in the 1970s. Henry Sherwin and 1870s. Edward... 1870s. What did I say, 19? Yeah. Well, in the 1870s, Henry Sherwin and Edward Williams joined up and formed a paint manufacturing company and introduced a ready-mixed paint, which found immediate success. What company would that be, Joe? Sherwin-Williams Paint is still thriving today. Wow. With its global headquarters still in Cleveland. Wow. Yes. Sherwin Williams, massive. I mean, you're a painter. Do you Sherwin Williams? Yeah, yeah. Is that the preferred paint? Do you like mm-hmm. bear? I heard bear kind of sucks. I don't really care what paint we're using. I mean, I care what paint we're using as long as it's high end. Okay. But uh, for the most part, like Sherwin Williams makes just as good a paint as anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, because at the time, paints like they're they're they made they sold the the ready mixed paints. Yeah. So, but at the time, there Real was lead paint. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's dude. good stuff. That's some real paint. So at the time you had a yeah you had to mix your own paint you your pigments and they sold the bases and that's how you got paint. But, mm-hmm. but now they revolutionized here. paint, right. and now they're a global empire. Yeah, and technically they're back to the idea that the company itself sells white paint and then each individual store will color your paint. For you. So they don't just make all those colors. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know mm. that's why yeah. That's kind of cool. But ready-made paint, that's pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. Another Clevelander in the 1870s was Chase Brush. Brush pioneered a new electrical technology by developing an outdoor lighting system. The outdoor lights were installed in Public Square by April of 1879, making Cleveland with the first electrified public city square. That's kind of cool. They ran little light posts down the cent- like Ontario Street, mm-hmm. down the center of Public Square. <clears throat> Brush would soon be absorbed by General Electric, but a couple people who worked from or for Brush went out and created companies still around today, like Lincoln Electric, which is known for their welders and other industrial s- stuff. Mm-hmm. This is around the eighteen sixties, uh, eighteen eighteen eighties. Okay, 1880s. Yep. Cleveland had a thriving automotive industry in the late 1800s. Cleveland had three of the earliest manufacturers of each type of quote-unquote horseless carriage. Alexander Witten made gasoline, Walter Bakers had electric, and Rollin White and and the White Company made steam like a horseless carriage. So that steam, has. electric, and gas. They had, they had electric, electric then. They had electric, yeah. They sure. could only go. They would only go like 10, 15 miles an hour, and the range wasn't great. But yeah, yeah you had electric. Interesting. I didn't know that they did that back then. Huh. Very interesting. <clears throat> there are sections of history that 
you just boom in a category once you have this paradigm shift of information. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the flying airplane, and within about 50 years, you're on a year, you got jet and you're on the moon. Yeah. You know? That is crazy to think about. Yeah. From the time that they started flying to the time they got to the moon. Yeah. That's crazy. So, as soon as you harness electricity, then all of a sudden you learn how a battery works, or you know how to do it, the, you know, the process. And then once, once that's done, it's like you could do whatever you want. Right. I guess that makes sense. Most of the automobile factories were specialized in high-quality and luxury cars. In spite of having over 100 car manufacturers through the 1930s, the city was losing a lot of the car industry to Detroit starting in 1910. The rapid growth came to an end, though, in the 1930s. Cleveland being so dependent on industry and manufacturing society was affected in many ways. Public schools provided industry training for students, and in the mid-1930s, the City Industrial Development Committee was formed and reported that industrial training was offered to all students at all grade levels, and the schools offered adult education classes for training in the various industries. So, the city itself was so dependent on industry that school didn't even teach basic school they just were like all right what do you want to do you want to go work in the car factory you want to go make this you want to go yeah. make this then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna teach you how to do that and then when you're you're done with school you're gonna go do that like a trade yeah. school yeah they essentially turned yeah. all public school into a trade school yeah i'd imagine during the same time out in the country it worked the same way though too and then well, immigrants like, you know what you're you're for you farm so we're gonna we you're a lot more agriculturally based yeah education mm -hmm. i'm sure I, I don't know what the when the boom of education and you actually, know, actually yeah for you know mm -hmm. became a thing but i'd be willing to bet it was probably 40s or 50s where they were like all right listen it needs to be standardized Right. Yeah. Education department. Education else. department. <clears throat> in 1954, a census was taken and Cleveland was leading in terms of employment and value of products. Cleveland area industries were first in transportation, second in machinery, third in iron and steel making, fourth in metal products and electrical equipment, fifth in and account er, er, and electrical equipment and fit. So, like, I mean, they were... We were like this, dude. We, we were the whole country, Booming. Dude. Boom. Booming. Like, you want to come fuck with us? Let's go. <laughs> and all of the industry accounted for 60% of the population's employment. Like, it all, like... Everybody it was, worked. It was... Everyone worked. The city started to see a fall in industry through the 1970s with many factory factors at play. A combination of aging factories, mismanagement, outside ownership led to a lot of companies closing or moving. And by 1986, only 29% of the population of Cuyahoga Lake, Medina, Giada counties worked in a factory. Wow. So everyone... 60? Yeah, to 29%. Wow. In 40 years... Yeah, thirty yep. years, forty years. Just abandoned factories because they were run down, and they decided they never, to move their business somewhere else. Because they build, you know, a lot of times when you build new, you decide that you're just you going to go somewhere build up. somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense you know? to try to remodel it. Yeah, you don't eat where you shit. You know? Oh no, I don't eat shit. <laughs> you just finish shitting there. You're not going to fucking eat. No, you know? no, it tastes gross. But there were many notable <laughs> companies that got their start in Cleveland. Some still obviously around today. A couple that you might not have known actually. Like what? Um, well, we know ASM, 
International, American Society of Metals, mm-hmm. in, is that dome thing. Yeah, Newberry. It was actually founded in 1913 by William Woodside, and Woodside was a blacksmith that worked for Studebaker, the car company. Really? The society was formed as a means of blacksmiths and other steel indus- industries to share and exchange ideas. And they started a foundation that's still around today, educating and everything else. That's kind of cool. They have a giant geometric dome that self-supports itself by its weight and structure and how it's built. And their world headquarters is still in Russell or Novelty, Ohio. It'd be cool to climb the dome. You ever thought about that? Yes. The rungs are too far. You would just be scaling poles. It'd be sweet. You'd be like, I got (laughs) another pole and then over here. You imagine as a kid that you would just reach the next one, standing on that one. Yeah, but it's probably twenty feet up. Yeah, the, they're yeah the You're octagons like, are shit. hexagons are way bigger than what you are. Supposedly, it's a tiny museum in a sense, as they're they do have a garden and stuff garden, you can walk around. And their garden and, has uh, some speech features. Yeah. Supposedly, in that garden is uh, an original Johnny Appleseed, Jenny Tremont uh, apple tree. Really? Yeah. In little old Newberry. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, well, they all are because I mean, the apples goes. are not for are native to America, so the Johnny Appleseed. The Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, that's right, boy. <laughs> the apple pie is all American, but oh. apples don't come from the United States. They're Japanese, I think. That's wild. Yeah, I think that's where apples come from. Huh. That's interesting. Historically, going way back, they've obviously been here a long time. Right. Right. Now they're from here. Now they're from here. Right. Yeah, yeah. like exactly. The, the, yeah. Amer- <laughs> the American pie is the apple pie, man. Like, right. It, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like Joe. Yeah. Like Joe. We we're not doing a buffalo because he's Correct. a Clevelander. Now. Correct. He's yeah. from here. Yes. I can't say I'm from Lakewood yet. I mean, you did choose to do Cleveland. I did here. choose. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying. You are from Cleveland. I you, I you are will an apple say. Pl- planted by. Johnny Appleseed. I will say, I, I have lived I have lived here longer <laughs> in Ohio than I have in New York now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so. you're, yeah, you're from here. Yeah. yeah. But you have roots, you know? It's mm. like an apple tree. My roots aren't here. That's what I'm saying. But, but you're growing roots. You're setting roots. My, no, I'm trying no. to say he does roots. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, what year are we at? Where are we at? Where what year is it in uh, the in the great old Cleveland? Uh, have you guys ever heard of a company called Lubrizol? Lubrizol. 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 In 1928. That's where all the smog comes from, right? That's where Sean came from. The <laughs> 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 Lubrizol in 1928 was actually the Graphite Oil Products Company was incorporated in the state of Ohio. The first product made was a graphite lubricant, an applicator marketed it under the name Lubergraph, and subsequently changed its name to the Lubergraph Corporation. Hmm. So they Sound German. They they made a graphite oil product company. That was their name. Mm-hmm. And then they made their they didn't have a product I guess at the time and then they made this product and then they decided to name the company after the product because oh, they yeah. Didn't have yeah. 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 In 1931, the Lubergraph Corporation moved to a Cleveland suburb of Wycliffe, about 15 miles east of the city. I didn't actually doodle map it. I just kind of guesstimated. In a half. In a half. In a half. In a half. Horses carried over here. 
this tru- this location will become the company's headquarters and remains the same today. Another name change occurred, and now it's Lubrizol. Going into World War II, Lubrizol produced half of all engine oil additives and eight, 80% of all gear lubricant additives required by Allied operations. Wow. So they... Pro- required by Allied operations? That's yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, they supported... We supported all of Allied... Like yeah. U.S., Canada. Side. Yeah. Let's hear them. U.K., <laughs> France... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would have been all of them, I think. That's the major one, mm-hmm. I think. That's yeah. a lot. That's a that lot. A, that's a that's fuck a lot. Tie. Half of all the engine oil additives and 80% of all the gear lubricant additives. That's a lot. I, you know what? Now that I hear this whole statistic, I'm start, it's starting to have like a Makes lot of sense. prepositions where you're just like, it's half of engine oil additives. Additives. To engine oil, so it's not actual oil. It's added as right. oil, but it's half of eighty percent of all the gear lubricant of just gear lubricants. So, like your transmission. I'm just saying, like you know, once we started, yeah. we could realize maybe it was like twenty gears, and we we're like, yeah, how's that? Right. It was just. But it one sounds <laughs> pretty like <laughs> it was like a big company, so I know it's a big number. I'm just saying, like it was like I mean, th- you had you had to grease the, the the turret on your tanks, your landing gear gears and all that, and your planes and the ships and. I mean, anything that turned had gear grease and stuff. I mean, engine oil, think how many engines. No, I'm sure they did a lot of business. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> it wasn't just one plane. On the front of it, sounds like, holy shit. And then you're like, wait, no, it's 20% of 30% of only the one on the left. Just the one. Joe's like, shut the fuck <laughs> up, dude. <laughs> Gosh. In 1943... German immigrants Hilda and Berthold Reich and Sigmund and Matilda Rornbach and Justin and Alma Zimmerman. This, this, these three. What was German, that one name? Baby names. Alma. <laughs> they opened a fabric shop in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, a fabric shop. And in 1963, the name was changed to Joanne Fabrics. Oh. Combining two of the family's daughters' names, and by 1969. Joanne Fabrics became a publicly traded company, and the headquarters are located in Hudson, Ohio. Still, all right. Still, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. All right. Cool. Office Max, founded in Cleveland in 1988 by Bob Hurwitz and Michael Fuhr. The first retail store opened up in Golden Gate Shopping Center in Mayfield Heights. Like that was their. That was the. Germans. That was the that was the bread and butter store in Mayfield. It's closed now. Like I think it closed in twenty fifteen. But are all Office Max is closed? No. There's a staples there. They now. they combined with staples. Office Max and real. Office Depot like combined. Their headquarters I mean their the company has changed many times in hands and mm-hmm. pres president days and everything else when the headquarters aren't in the area anymore. But it was started here. The first store of Office Max was in 1988 nice. in the Golden State or the Golden Gate Shopping Center in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Kind of cool. And that's the first ever Oktoberfest. Just saying. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. Just so you know. Now we know. 1988. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just saying these German names. Oh. Yeah, German <laughs> coming out here. There was a Reich and a Führer. Yeah. I heard, yeah. Yeah. I heard a... <laughs> Hervitz. Uh, Parker Hannafin. Arthur L. Parker founded the Parker Appliance Company on March 13, 1917 in a small loft in Cleveland, Ohio, oh. along with his business partner... Business partner Carl Clam. Carl Clam. Why did they go with his name? It's spelled with a K. Is it Clam? K L A M M. It's German. Clam. 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 In the early days, the company built pneumatic brake systems for trucks, trains, and buses, and industrial machinery, as well as leak free fittings for the pioneers of aviation. Oh. Progressive insurance. On March 10th, 1937, Joseph Lewis and Jack Green started Progressive Mutual Insurance Company. I would have gotten that trivia question if it was a trivia question. Right. Just saying. We would have nailed it. They wanted to provide vehicle owners with security and protection, and they thought an insurance company was a good investment for a couple of lawyers who were looking to just get started. Their business philosophy was to approach auto insurance and in an in, in, in innovative way. So essentially the first auto insurance. I mean, why don't we, why don't we try to come people. up with an auto insurance company? We should make our own. You can. We should. You can. You just need money. Lots and lots of money. Let's get along. The Cleveland Clinic was at the forefront of modern medicine when it was first organized as a multi-specialty group practice in 1921. From a small outpatient clinic, it has grown to become the world's first integrated international health system. Cleveland Clinic is massive, and people travel just to get shit done at Cleveland Mm -hmm. Clinic. There's one in Dubai. Cleveland Clinic? Really? Yeah, we had a a shaker or assaultant of some sort that came through, and had his son did work, or his he did work, and he loved it so much that he funded to have a Cleveland Clinic built out in, um, I think, Dubai. But it could be... Up there somewhere. It's out there somewhere. A friend of mine went out there and um, worked for a little bit when they were building it. And they paid him a lot of money. Damn. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I would like to bring up, a thanks to the industry in Cleveland, the EPA was formed in the 1970s by Richard Nixon. Before this, there was no regulation on what chemicals could be dumped and where, so a lot of factories just freely dumped whatever they wanted into the Cuyahoga River that runs through the heart of downtown and into Lake Erie. (laughs) The water in the river was nearly always covered in oil slicks, and it bubbled like a pot of stew. Rats Rats floated down the river with their corpses so bloated they'd be the size of some dogs. Everyone knew it was polluted, but pollution meant industry, and industry meant thriving meant a booming economy and everyone had jobs. But on June 22nd, 1969, an oil slick caught fire, but it only burned for 30 minutes and was able to be put out by an offshore rigging and only one fireboat, and it only caused about $50,000 worth of damage to a railroad bridge. There were worse fires in, like, in the past. Like, the river, the Cuyahoga River burning is most famous for the one in 1969 because it was the most recent, and that's what sparked, like, hey, we got 30 minutes? We got to do something. It wasn't that long. Interesting. I thought it would have been worse. There were, there have been worse ones in the past that weren't really documented, but, I mean. What I'm saying, that the main one only lasted 30 minutes. Yeah. They made a beer about it. Yeah. Like, they're making it a big deal, but that's because, like, although it didn't last long, no pictures were taken, and... 
it this wasn't the first time that the river caught fire. Like it wasn't it wasn't and there was like, only one boat involved with, with Yeah, like it wasn't the the one that really That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah, what? I'm gonna take is. a shit on the sidewalk of every major city I go to from now on. Like I might even get Cleveland flags and just put a put yeah. it right in my poo. I hope it and be like Psh, you guys think we suck? It was a thirty minute fire, dude. Yeah, it wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah, they didn't it, even it, call out other municipalities. Just one boat. Yeah, there were worse. A guy with a bucket in the boat. Just going, yeah, he probably wasn't even that type of boat. He was a different type of boat. He was just like, oh, I'll just you know spray water at it. Yeah, th- no, there were there were worse ones in the past that caused more damage equivalent to you like. Sure, I mean you're only reading about the one. Did that place not want to talk about any of the others? I mean, they were just hearsay. That this one, this one is what sparked the EPA, though. This is what this is what this is what formed the EPA. Goddamn. When after that fire, Mayor at the time Carl Stokes, which was the first African American elected to the position of mayor in any major city across the U.S., pushed for Congress to make regulations on the environment. Thus, the EPA, as we know it today, and we started cleaning up the river, and you can stick your hand in the water without dying and getting other things, but, I mean... Corey swam in it to try and find Chelsea's phone. That's a, that's a fact. Wow. You're not finding that. Yeah. That that is way yeah. too deep. Like they, you've seen the size of the ships that come yeah. down that fucking thing. Where did he jump in? Well, they, we were at a strip club. <laughs> we were at Christie's. They he jumped me. in around Christie's to look for her phone. <laughs> yeah. What was he thinking he would find? Her Sorry, phone. Corey. I know you're probably gonna listen to this, but like, that's like forty feet deep, dude. <laughs> well, he wanted to find her phone. He's being chivalrous. <clears throat> chivalry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll chalk it up to chivalry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not finding anything. No. Now that the the river's been dredged and it's all yeah, and the ships that go down there now. If you sunk a boat right there, you might not find it. Yeah. The same. You might find a phone though. That's crazy. It's a thirty minute fire that upsets me. Yeah, it yeah, was. We get made was, fun of that still to this day. Yeah. For that, I'll tell you what. Growing, I, and maybe because it was the '70s and it was just 15, 20 years later, the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, like growing up. I remember Cleveland being even more. I mean, so much more of a joke. Like, it was the butt of a joke. On almost every television show, in every comedy movie where you'd just be like... So what, the flats were popular in the 90s or 80s? Well, the flats... In the, it was So in Cleveland, you have rises there was like and a, falls of gangs. Because there was like and a so dead zone. some of these places were really nice, and then they weren't. Right. So the East Bank of the Flats was really hot, and then it wasn't. And then they got rid of a lot of the gangs, and then it became a little more like your your punk rock, and your more like your place to go see a concert or a show, like the Odeon. So that would and be then, like nineties, two thousand. And that would be in the there, and then and then capitalism kind of destroyed it a little bit, and then they build the east. They built up the East Bank, so yeah. none of that stuff was there. It's really nice down there. Now. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Going it's super down sweet down there. But a lot, I mean, a lot of Cleveland is built up to. I mean, even mm-hmm. the West Bank. I mean, you'd have the concert venue over there and then you yeah. got like shooters and uh, Christie's Christie's, Christie's yeah, the only thing that matters over there yep Teddy's oh yeah there's a Larry Flint Hustler Club I'm just saying yep. yeah that's true awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, going down to the flats it's it's sweet I remember I remember as younger going down there like I remember going down there for lunch with my parents and it was really gritty yeah it's real like it was great until they built it up that was a gross location down there I don't never forget it the whatever bar we went into to get lunch Across the ceiling, there was bras from females. Classy joint. 
That's right? what I'm saying. It was awesome. That's what class is, Cleveland, like a Cleveland style. I mean, it's working man town. Hell yeah, it is. I mean, it's always it always was, always and it always it always will be. I mean, it's weird. I mean, town it was. Industry. It seems like it fell off. I mean, it, fe- it, it seems, seems like, like it fell yeah. off. But now there's still a Just lot like of Detroit industry and in Cleveland. Cleveland's a heavy industrial town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we've known for a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, Rock you know, we we listen to a lot of music, so we we see almost every major. You know, thing that comes through there, and I think because of that, we have a big music industry. Um, not big. I mean, it's not New York or to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but I'm sure we're in the top five after that of where music comes from in the United States. Well, that'd be interesting to look up, find out. Uh-huh. Cleveland might be built on industry, but Cleveland is a sports town. Let's be real. Cleveland Facts. is a sports. It's town. It's the home of rock and roll, though. I'm saying, rock and roll Hall of Fame. They don't do all inductions here in Cleveland. It's, it's cold. True. You don't have to do inductions in fucking January, February. You don't make enough. They money. don't. They don't do inductions anyway in that time. They do it in fucking like April or May. Yes, right now. Yeah. yeah so and they only do it once every, like every other year. They do it in Cleveland. Yeah. Which is dumb. Why would you have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland? It is bullshit. We don't do they, the induction every year in it Cleveland. It sucks for us, but as far as they go, it's a money thing. Oh yeah, totally. So money, obviously, yeah. you can you could be a bigger production somewhere else, and do it there. You should do it in the hometown, whoever you're inducted. Hell That's yeah. what I'm saying. Put hometown. Like, if you got to go to, you know, Newberry, Ohio, Oof. and be like, yeah, we're here. This dude's getting inducted. we rock and roll. We're partying at Zappy's all night long. <laughs> yeah, 20,000 of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will get into sports, entertainment, and that stuff in episode two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So. I'm excited for that episode. That would be a cool episode. That was interesting, Joe. I thought you did a very nice job. Thank you. You covered a lot of things. Thank you. you covered lots of stuff. Yeah. Basic of the upcoming. I mean, the car history and one thing I really wanted to touch on that I just I didn't have time to get into and I might make it a separate thing that was really cool. It's the Thompson Air Races that oh, happened in Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. Like in the after World War Two, it was a lot of it were World War Two pilots. That Cleveland was famous for, like, air races. Air shows and stuff. Air shows and air... That's why the air show still exists today. Okay. Labor Day weekend. I mean, it's that's been going on for years, but... Yeah, they had Air Thompson Air Races. They had it every year. Trophy and everything. It was huge. It was huge. That would be cool to go see. An air race? That would be baller to go see. I mean, it's you get to see your section of the air race, and then they just disappear. True. True. But it'd be I mean, cool to like check see, it out. You go to the show and see the oh, jets yeah. and all that. Well, well I, they, I they, they fly through giant pylons that are floating in the lake. Yeah. So <clears throat> they have a bunch of pylons. And, I mean, you're sitting on the shore. I mean, just looking left and right, you can see the, the pylons and the course they have to fly through. Mm-hmm. So they come down and they fly through the course and angles and everything else. And then they fly out. And then that's would, their run. Yeah. I would drink so much beer watching that. <laughs> <one>. Dude. <laughs> Dude. I've never been to the air show in Cleveland because I'm always busy Labor Day weekend or the weather's shitty. But I've always been curious to go to the air show. Air show would be cool. I I, I think we went one time. Um, I, I do know that we landscaped it. on a on a day where they were flying, and we were up on the hill on Martin Luther King Boulevard. The backyard had an overlook of the city, oh. and there was a couple times where that plane came and like oh yeah when they came. But we were high enough right there that that plane was almost at eye level with us. 
and it was sweet. That was you've be seen them fly fun. by. Yeah. So when they they're, do their they, turnarounds, they come all the way out. To, they'll, they'll come all the way out to here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, generally, they'll come out to like at least men or whatever. But their their turnarounds are so big that they're gonna go 10, 15 miles out and come back. Yeah. And they practiced days before. Like I, I, I remember. That's probably why that, that's we were landscaping. Because cool. every time I want to tell this story, I'm always like, "We were working. What the fuck are we working on Monday for Labor Day weekend?" Right. But it they must practiced. have been a practice they were getting. Because yeah. I remember there was one time I'm driving home. I drive up 77 North. I'm coming into the city, crossing over to where like where 490 is. So I'm coming into the city, mm-hmm. and this plane just shoots mm. straight over my head like going downtown and then oh, you hear the sonic so then you cool. hear the boom and you mm-hmm. feel like your car almost shakes as you're driving because the thing's not that yeah. far above yeah. you yeah I start looking like, for zombies for the and next it's like, like 20 minutes I'm like holy I'm like, shit like what the fuck is <laughs> yeah and, and then you realize all oh, the air shows going on and stuff like that because yeah. there's another plane that flies in another direction and they're <laughs> we're and going was, home we're locked in shit's going down bro yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, maybe we'll hit up the air show. I might hit up the air show. Air show would be cool to go check out. For sure. I want to say I've seen it when I was They got old planes and they got all that shit. So it becomes like a little bit of a museum when they're not flying and whatnot. So um, you know what's a good after good weekend? And we should definitely take to do this. But I don't know if you have you guys ever been to the Ford Museum? In Detroit? In Detroit? No. It's outside of Detroit. It's like Dearborn or something like that. I went there in sixth grade. Yeah, so it's part of the Smithsonian. So yes. they have things like the the chair Lincoln was shot. Yep, in. I've seen it. And they got the it's, car. It's, it's a full museum, in. like outside of car, and the and the car is obviously, but it's absolutely amazing to do that. And then within about 15, 20 minute drive, there's other little things sightseeing you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Edison's home. You know, when he was a kid growing up. Although now that I learned he's a piece of shit, I don't want to go see that. Whatever. But. That's a cool trip to go take, like, literally a day trip. We, you could drive up there in the morning and go see it and then come back. In the if you're in the Fort Myers area, mm-hmm. the, uh, Edison and, and Ford had a cottage. Fort Myers? Florida. Florida. Oh, if I'm ever just if in you're Florida. Down there, okay. Edison and Ford had a cottage. Yeah. And it's a museum. You could go into it and check it out and walk the whole property and stuff. Yeah. It's a cool little thing to go check out. I will say uh, some of the stuff, like Cleveland, I mean, you know, Cleveland area has two NASA facilities. I mean, one of the astronauts is mm-hmm. from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot, like, I actually, a lot of this stuff um, I got from the Western Reserve Cleveland Historical Museum in mm-hmm. downtown. They actually have the um, Euclid marital round, like the Euclid Beach marital round mm-hmm. set up in there, mm-hmm. and they had a yeah, bunch just of... just past the Botanical Gardens. Yeah, yeah, right right there in University in Circle, Circle there. Yeah, yeah, in the art museums over those, there. Those are always a cool trip. That, that I mean, I learned a lot in there. That's kind of what sparked it, because, like, I didn't know Sherman-Williams was invented in 1800s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's news to me. I looked up one time for metal detecting. I found something, and I just said, oh, it must be modern, because it's all, it's got threads in it. And then I like looked it up, and I'm like, man, they've been threading things for a long time since like the 1700s. And that yeah. that museum, they have a bunch of old like old cars that were made in Cleveland, like some of the old first like electric horseless carriages, and mm-hmm. that's um, pretty cool though. Like student, like all sorts of stuff down there. Like it's, yeah, it's cool down there. Now, of um, course, Cleveland's part of the Western Reserve, which we it, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, we didn't go over too much, but. Um, so so basically, this the beginning of everybody's from Connecticut, because the Western Reserve that's the Connecticut Western Reserve, so they basically bought up their portion or or at least was given to the government 
of their part of the West. Because obviously back then this was like, this may have been, this may have well been the West. Yeah. Right? You know? Um, and so a lot of uh, <coughs> Revolutionary War generals and people from that were volunteers from Connecticut were, were first in line to get plots of land in, in Ohio. Oh. It's like 120 miles or something along the lake. Interesting. So if you volunteered, part of their deal would be like, all right, dude. But afterwards, we're giving you you know fifty acres out in, in this in the west. No shit. And that was that was in this area. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. A reserve of land. Yeah. You know? Then Louisiana Purchase happened, and it moved even farther west. Yep. 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 And then the railroads and stuff like that, and all of a sudden that was you know where the railroads went. Then you got. Gold Rush into California, yeah. Rockies, and that was that. You ever watch that railroad West? show? Helen Wales? Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 I've seen. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. never finished it, but first, I'm, oh, it's a good one. First like, two seasons, three seasons. Oh yeah, sure. I gotta watch all of them. I Go saw, back and start them. They're just sweet. Whatever one where they get attacked by the Indians, like there's a massive battle on the tra- on the train tracks. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I, I, I think I that was like the last yeah, one yeah. I watched. Yeah, Helen Wales. Yeah, I like to say like it's a woman's name. Helen Wheels. Helen Wheels. Helen Helen DeGeneres. Oh. All right. <laughs> hey. Well, anyways. <laughs> Gotta go. Join us for episode two for sports entertainment and other Cleveland stuff. To finish out our city series, City History. Follow us on Instagram at Pancakes on Sunday Podcast to stay up to date on all upcoming episodes. No, you need to do your thing. Thank you. <laughs> All upcoming episodes will be posted on Instagram so you can stay up to date. Follow us, rate, subscribe, share on whichever podcast service you may be listening to. Apple, Spotify, put some five stars. Just follow us. You know, it really helps. It, it does out there with more more followers. And um, join us next week for City History Part 2, Cleveland. Bye. See you.